podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In times of need, this is what most insurance sounds like. Thank you for holding. What's your policy number? But when you have coverage from AAA, you've got insurance with three A's. And that sounds like this. Thank you for calling AAA. Is everyone okay? So does your insurance sound like insurance? Or does it sound like insurance with AAA? A brand that's been helping members for over 100 years. Visit AAA.com slash insurance for a free quote on auto and home coverage. The Celtic Exchange. A fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by James and Miff as we cover all things Celtic. The Celtic squad are back at Lennox Town following their mid-season training camp in Portugal and are preparing for the return to competitive action which is now just days away. Yuki Kobayashi and Alistair Johnson will barely get involved from January but will Josip Juranovic and Georges Giacomakis be there to join them? Miff, welcome back, not seeing you in weeks. Word is that you've changed agent and might be looking for a move in January, is this true? No, no, not at all, lads, not at all, just recharging the batteries. Fair enough. Possibly, aye, but it was just staying by pure chance. That's how rumours start to Miff, what's been your moment of the week in Celtic? A moment of the week in Celtic for me would be the sight of Callum McGregor being back on the football pitch. I think it, um, it's a, not necessarily it's been much needed because the team have coped admirably in his absence, particularly Matt Arayoy, um probably showing a level of flexibility that we, we didn't think he had. Um, but probably a showcase in that game when you get, get him further up the pitch, he can, he can also do the damage at the other end. But um, yeah, McGregor coming back must just be a huge boost. You, you only need to listen to the way ex-players and, and managers speak about him in terms of the standards that he sets to have him back on the pitch can only be a good thing for Celtic. Yeah, it's a big one. James, the return of domestic football is just around the corner. What's been your moment of the week? I want to stay with World Cup actually for the moment in Celtic this week. Um, Juranovic putting Vinicius Junior in his back pocket and getting him subbed off. Yeah. Compared to two legs of not doing that, you see what Juranovic is, You know what we saw from him last year and I've always been a huge fan it's been disappointing this year that he's not quite hit the heights, but he's shown then against Brazil that's the standard he can hit. So, well, that's good for Celtic financially or from a playing point of view, time will tell. But yeah, great to see him playing at his best. Yeah, great to see. And we'll get into a bit more detail on Juranovic just shortly. Um, but on this week's show, first off, we'll take a look at the latest news making the headlines in the world of Celtic. We'll then bring you this week's Mystery Cell. As it all gets a wee bit lively at the top of the table, table, if you've been missed uh, in recent weeks for that. Then it's a big topic, and finally, we'll pick out something which we think you'll enjoy from this week in Celtic media. But let's get started with the main news making the headlines this week. Maurice Jens has been speaking to TransferMarket.com over the weekend as he looks to secure a permanent move to Celtic Park. I do like Jens, but his quotes uh, are very Brendan Rodgers-esque for my liking, a bit fairy tale, a bit story-like. Um, so I'm going to read them out here in full, and you lads can let me know what you think. Nobody calls me Maurice anymore, they just say Mercedes. A few weeks ago, I went jogging with my dog at 6am because I thought no one would see me. Suddenly, a large number of construction workers called down from a high-rise building. Hey Mercedes, stop, we want a photo. They actually stopped work so they could take a picture with me. Unbelievable, but somehow also incredibly beautiful. The city really is green and white. <laughs> this, this year on things that didn't happen. Miff, yeah, your thoughts <laughs> on that? Has Mercedes Jens done enough for you to get a deal? Um. I don't know if he has and I think you'll probably need to wait and see how Kobayashi settles in or, or, or doesn't to, to know the answer to that I mean, I don't think he's done too much wrong I think like most of our centre-halves look better when Carter Vickers is there you wouldn't really be too disappointed if it was any one of the other centre-halves starting next to him I think 
Kobayashi's presence probably says more about Welsh's place in the pecking order rather than Yenzi's, but then are you going to shell out X amount for Yenz permanently in the summer to be fourth choice? I wouldn't really think so. Yeah, um, so Celtic do have an option on him, but it's unclear what the fee might be. Mm-hmm. So a couple of million, maybe. Uh, Don't really know. I'd, I, I like him. I, I'd, I'd like to have him in the squad, but if it's his fourth choice on on chunky wages, then that's not something that's got to fit with the the model that we have. Yeah, yeah. I'm some somewhere. I'm somewhere in the middle on him. I think he's he's got something. There's definitely the talent there. Whether Celtic think they can coach that to a higher level um, remains to be seen for the duration of the season. But you know, we talk about. Stepping up to the next level, you know, we didn't quite get there in the Champions League this year, and if we're going to step up, it means that when you're having to bring in sub centre halves, and again, no harm, but it's not Welsh, it's Jens. That's a big difference. So I, I think Ange is looking for that standard on his on his backup centre halves. Yeah, I mean, he's still young. He's twenty three, so he's got you know plenty of time to develop. If he doesn't make it, as Celtic does a a career in creative writing away with those kind of stories. Well, yeah, I mean. I don't think he's the kind of guy to, to be just making up a load of... I'm not saying he's baloney. completely made it up, he's maybe embellished a wee bit. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was quite creative, to be honest with you. I, yeah. I felt like I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Picture the scene. It is uh, reminiscent of that Brendan Rodgers one, you know, when he gets stuck sure. in the Clyde Tunnel in some sort of traffic and bad weather. And he claims that a Rangers fan came up and he thought, oh, we're in trouble here. And he chapped his window and politely thanked him for what he's brought to Scottish football. <laughs> that didn't happen. All that nonsense. It just felt a wee bit like that. You know, but any, I'm not saying that Jens is making it up, but he might have made a bit of it up. Anyway, moving on, following his standout performance against Brazil that you've just mentioned, James, the transfer talk around Josip Juranovic is heating up with Barcelona, the latest side to be linked with him. Chris Sutton saying we shouldn't accept anything less than £25 for him and there's plenty of quotes now doing the rounds which would indicate that a move may well happen in the January window. First up, his brother, Dragon Juranovic, has been speaking. Uh, He says, I'm not allowed to say anything about it, but there are lots of interested parties, so we'll see. So he's not allowed to say anything, but he said something. Uh, was, Was he speaking? Well, he's quoted. I thought he would have wrote. Oh, my f- ah, it's plenty. Um, Juranovic himself, he's been quoted just in the last day or so. So he says, honestly, I haven't read what's been written since we arrived at the World Cup. We're just focused on the national team. I even told my agent not to send me anything. I'm not interested at all right now. I want to do something for myself, my future sons and daughters. I want to tell them the story of what we did and to be proud. He's been working with Jens a wee bit on his lines. Um, he then goes on to say, I may not be a player worth 20, 30 million euros, but you must know one thing, I never gave up, even when I was at Hajduk and Dubrava, nor in Celtic, nor in Croatia. My parents taught me to look forward. Life tells strange stories. I stuck to my point that I needed to prove myself on the field. James, interesting words. Do you believe that him and his agent haven't been in touch over the last week or two? He's certainly been in touch with his brother, who's been in touch with him. Um, <laughs> for a guy who doesn't want to talk about it, he talked about it a lot there. Talks a lot. But was that an interview in the bar after the Brazil game? <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm basically calling a couple of Celtic players liars uh, on this show. That. That's what's happening. Or at least embellishers of the truth. They're, they're allegedly liars or something. Yes. That'll cover us. And um, what do you think, Muff? Obviously, an interesting time for Ivanovic career wise. He's an ambitious guy. This is kind of him on the peak of his career. And maybe even the game against Brazil was the peak. He was fantastic in that game. I think that this is what the model is all about, is identifying players that have potential to then be, be sold on. But I find it is strange because fans then interpret the model in different ways and it almost detracts for you just enjoying the team on the park because you see somebody play 10 games and you're thinking, oh, he's worth X amount and he'll be away in two years and almost takes your mind to that. I still think we should strive to bring in players to keep them as well as, you know, as well as keep the trading model up. Juranovic, for me, 
I think he's exceptional. Yes, he's underperformed this year, but I, I, it is of no shock to me that he's produced the performances he has at the World Cup because I've always felt he's been capable of that. Um, he's almost looked a bit lackadaisical when he's been playing for us this year, certainly in the Champions League more than anywhere else. You know, he's 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 quick, he's strong, he's technically very good, reads the game well, there, there's a lot to like about him. But if his head's been turned, and one thing we have learned from the mistakes of the recent past is if a player is disengaged in any way, he has to get moved on. And, and I think Angel feel the same, and I think the signing of Johnson tells you everything you need to know. So as far as that goes, good luck to Juranovic. Let's maximise the amount we can get for him, because if, if his head's been turned in any way, then he has to go. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about uh, different supporters and their interpretation of the model and, and what it should look like. I did see some comments, I think it was on our YouTube uh, after one of last week's videos. That's a madhouse. Uh, it's bedlam in there, it's great <laughs> fun. But somebody said, you know, Lowell's Lovell, back in two minutes, we're selling off our best players and replacing them with cheap, i.e. Alistair Johnson for a couple of million. That is... Uh, as I say, it is interpretation, but for me, it's the wrong interpretation. <laughs> it's, a, it's a misinterpretation. <laughs> you know I mean? So, so that's uh, Celtic players and Celtic fans are getting all wrong as far as Tino's concerned. Put spray gun. I've just got the scatter gun out. That is it. Um, James, twenty-five million in the chat from guys like Chris Sutton. What do you think? Can we get that for a twenty-seven-year-old? If you look at you know, fast, strong, can invert, can score goals, can score free kicks, can score penalties. You know, he's he's a bit of a late bloomer. You know, at twenty-seven, he would. Probably more likely more like to go for 25 if he had more years to go in his career. You know, if he was 24, 25 kind of thing. I think you'd be sitting somewhere about the 20 mark. Yeah. I think you might just get that World Cup boost Aye. on him. Who knows how much that's going to be. But if, if teams are sitting watching him, seeing how he's played and went, yep, that'll do for us. Who's to say what their opening offer could be? It might, it might not be us necessarily drive that. Somebody's just going to slap down an offer on the table and we take it. So I, I think min- minimum for me would, would be 20 million because it's an international fullback he's just played well at the World Cup if not he's only 2026 you know finished two games to go e- exactly you know. 2026 he's signed to we've signed a right back there's a B team son just go and Hi. play there Enjoy. until, until, until um, we get the right money it's classic supply and demand there's not that many right backs cutting about doing what Juranovic has been doing there over the last couple of weeks so you know, if we're to believe the rumours, Atletico Madrid have been strongly linked with them for some summer. time. Man U seem to be in the mix. Barcelona is the latest out, you know, out the hat in the last 48 hours or so. If you get a bidding war, the price could be yeah, whatever it wants to be. The other thing about it is the fact that people are saying, you know, clubs won't pay 20, 25 because there's no real sell on because he'd be 29, 30 by the end of that contract. It's impact though. That's not what the big cars think about. You no. know, somebody gave the example um, about Casemiro signed for Man U for 30 odd million and he's 30 years of age. These bigger clubs don't really think about the sell on because that's, in the bigger picture, 25 million's kind of pocket change mm. to some of these clubs. Yeah, interesting you say about Man United because I think Dallow's actually been pretty good Dallow, um, yeah. at, the, at the tournament as well. Whatever team comes in, just make sure you've got the checkbook open. Trips. I think so. I think it's a great position. As you said as well, James Celtic either cash in or get a player back because at the peak of his powers. So who wants to drive on for his move in the summer? Yeah. So either way, it's a, a good position to be in. Um, moving on to the the final headline for today. Having not played since picking up a knee injury against Leipzig back in early October, Callum McGregor made his return on Saturday morning as Celtic played Wren in a bounce match at the Portuguese training camp. Celtic lost the game 4-3, but more importantly, McGregor played 78 minutes and should now be in line for a start in Saturday's game with Aberdeen at Pataudry. Speaking of the training camp in Portugal, the captain said, It's been vital. 
I've been trying to work as hard as I can and run as hard as I can and try and get as fit as possible for the games when we go back. You're off for two or three weeks and you start to miss it already. There's nothing like playing football for us. It's the best job in the world and we've come back in, worked hard this week and we're ready for the real stuff again. Miff, does he go right back into the starting lineup for that one against Aberdeen on Saturday? Yes. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. And there's obviously, you know, Moy, Hatati and O'Reilly have been the three in his absence. Moy will just be getting back to Linux Town this week, I'm sure. Is it a shoe in, James, that it'll be McGregor with O'Reilly more advanced alongside Hatati? Yeah, it just as I mean, look how Hatati finished um, the, the, the first part of the season, you know, so, so he's definitely going to be playing. O'Reilly's shown himself to be a vastly versatile midfielder and certainly shouldn't be dropped out. So, yeah, it's McGregor, Hatati, O'Reilly for me. Same for you, Miff. Yep. Yeah. We've had eight domestic games since McGregor picked up that injury in Leipzig and we've won all eight. Is there any case for not including him in that? Is this an Moy thing? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I mean, Moy, is, Moy won't feature, yeah. right? Moy's just coming. Moy, Moy's had a busy time. He is old and Needs some rest. <laughs> <laughs> Needs a bit of a break. Um, but is there any rationale that Ange might just say, listen, it's, it's one thing playing seven, eight minutes against Ren Reserves at Strathclyde Park by the looks of it. Did you see it? No, was it sketchy? Eh? It was uh, aye, it was aye. as public a park as you could see, uh, albeit in, in good shape. The, ki- but, the King Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's not a lot by way of competitive, in fact it's zero minutes competitive football, it's just a seven, eight minute run out and a, and a bounce game. Pataudry's a toughie, you know, it's amongst the toughest fixtures you could face. It'll be a bit, you know, blood and thunder at times and Aberdeen will be pushing hard now. I think they're in third place, aren't they? It could be quite a you know, a testing fixture for Celtic. Is it does it make sense to risk him? So if if Moy is more of a risk because he's tired, and that's genuine, he's come back from you know a, a heavy schedule there. Who is it if not McGregor? Or O'Reilly Hitati and Abogard? Well I we need to see him sometime. Yeah. Um I, I is notoriously very careful when it comes to bringing people back from injury. McGregor is notoriously wants to play every single minute of football he can, so that's a dilemma for Ange to to yeah, I, I, I think most fans, I think yourselves included, would be banging the drum from getting that start. But you could understand if fans didn't go with him. I could understand it, but I'm I'm going on historically how every manager that's managed McGregor since he was maybe about 21 has viewed him, and that's been machine integral part of the team. Goes in, plays every game. Scotland manager seems to think the same as well, pretty much every game. So. It's he's just that special type of character that you put in the team when he's available. Mm-hmm. That that's my opinion. I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't start. But the question was, does he? And in my opinion, yes. Yeah. I don't think Angel have any fears about putting him in if he's fit enough. They'll, if he deems him the, fit enough, he'll play. They'll have the numbers on it. You know, they'll know what his body can take and can't take. And they might say, well, you actually need thirty minutes of competitive, so we'll bring you on at sixty minutes. Or you know what, you're, you're hitting all your markers. Fire on. Yeah. Before the break there, I wasn't too fussed that we weren't seeing much of Abelgard. You know, I thought, and just taking his time with him, he didn't have much pre-season, he's been bedding him in. Now I want to see him. Mm-hmm. Now is the time for that. And he's had his break, he's come back, he's, he's obviously trained in Portugal, he'll be training hard at Lennox Town this week. I would like to see, whether it's a Pataudry or, or otherwise, I'd like to see some of Abelgard. Otherwise, you know, why is he there? There's also a suggestion that Idiguchi's heading back to Japan like in January, it, yeah. which is unfortunate. Yeah. You know, he picked up that knock against Alloa last year and never really shook that off. And, and that's just the way that's gone. And that's the way things can go. But I'd like to see if Abelgard can can make a play for that position. Beyond that, just a final question in this section. Um, we'd mentioned that O'Reilly's obviously been deputising, playing in the number six role. 
Do you do you like him in there? Do you think he's done a good job, or do you far prefer to see him in a, a more advanced role? I think he's done a great job. I I do prefer to see him in an advanced role, but then that would beg the question that now we know we've got someone that can play there. Would you want McGregor further advanced? It gives you that your flexibility now. You know, it could even be that McGregor, O'Reilly, Hatati play. We've got Moy now as well, and I think Moy. I'm actually quite pleased for Moy because I think his performances at the World Cup have reassured certain members of the fan base that, that, he, is, that he is a good player and you know he is that he is a high level player as well I think he's, he's shown up pretty well but the, the flexibility they've got in midfield just when it comes to Abelgard when is he going to play I just don't see it I don't I don't see where I, I just don't see where he's going I understand the position that he plays and he's that kind of screening midfielder defensive midfielder he's physical as well you know loves a tackle that's brilliant but if McGregor and O'Reilly are fit play but what it starts to do is it starts to give you better uh, rotation options off the bench so you can bring Abelgard on keep McGregor on take O'Reilly off yeah, for example yeah, yeah. So, and you can also then see the best of Carl McGregor both sides of Carl McGregor you know attacking playing defensively in the same game so I think that's where we'll get the benefit of Abelgard it would be interesting to see McGregor a bit more advanced if fans decide to do that and who knows he might start McGregor on Saturday and keep O'Reilly where he's been and just Slot McGregor up, McGregor up alongside his eye. When you watch McGregor when he's breaking into the team, and even under Rogers, the, the goals, goals he was getting. Yeah. Now he just he's definitely lost his shooting boots a few times. He's yeah. got a chance to put them. See like that, that daisy cutter, you know. Oh, I loved it. Oh, I loved it. Tips the back of the net. That loved kind it. of goal you've not seen that from because he's in one of those positions, yeah. you know. Aye. Interesting. Now let's see what Ange decides to do at the weekend. But ultimately, great to have him back. You know, whatever the the situation is moving forward. Okay, so let's move on to this week's mystery cell. Maf, how have you been on with these from home over the last few weeks? All right. So, so. I mean, you could right. have lied through your teeth and said you've nailed everyone. All right, no. No. A- uh, average? No. I, yeah. can't, I can't remember, but I, I didn't get key, no. Fair enough. The scoreline now stands at 5-4. You're part of the panel, Maf, that's what we're calling you. So you panel panellists are beating me 5-4 after James stole it at the death last week with the, the correct answer. Can I, can I just ask, though, on that point, was, was Joe Miller awarded to us? No, no, you'll find that there's no fairness from the, the, the judge over there. We'll discuss that off air, if it's not yeah. one for... No, because that's a, it's making, an absolute mo- no, it's making an absolute mockery, the, the scoring <laughs> system. Anyway, we don't have time for judge and jury this afternoon, so we'll get into that later. Before we get started, though, on this week's, I want to give you a quick reminder of last week's mystery cell. So, clue number one, my country made it through to the last 16 of this year's World Cup, but I didn't make the squad. I did, however, play at the 2018 World Cup. Clue number two, I've won the Scottish Cup with Celtic and scored in the final. And clue number three, I've won 110 caps with my country, scoring 10 goals. The answer, of course, Muff. I had guessed Rogic, that was my... Aye, Paddy guessed that. And that was my last guess. That was the wrong guess. So the answer was, uh, of course, Ki Sung Young. And the South Korean, he's still playing at the age of 33 with FC Seoul and his homeland. Were you a key fan, Muff, when he was here? Yes, yes I was. Yeah, what about you, James? He, he did Classy s- player. Didn't yeah, spend like that him. long. I've uh, looked into it. So January 2010 to August 2012. So no. not a, a huge deal of time in the bigger picture, but had enough about him to go on and kick on and have a good career down south. Yeah, he, he stood out just as I'm saying. Like, you know, classy is the word I would use to describe him. Um, I, I liked him and it was, you know, you were offered five million for a guy you got in for next to nothing. It was the right move for everyone, you know? Yeah, right move at the right time. Okay, are you ready, Ma, for this week's mystery cell? Yep. Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, I think so. Clue number one. I won the Scottish Championship in the 2016-17 season. 
Division one, you mean like not the Premier Champions, the Championship, Championship. You're yeah. thinking of the fine fair Premier Division, James. It's, I would like it's called to be the clear. Championship. I, I, I cannot be any clearer. I won the Scottish Championship in the 2016 17 season. You've got form. Okay. No guesses. <laughs> Clear number two. I've played against Argentina and France at the World Cup. That's the FIFA World Cup, James. Just for clarity. Jackson Irvin? No. Clue number three. It's not him anyway. No Jackson Irvin, so don't, <laughs> don't waste your time on it. Clue number three. Including Celtic, I've played for six Scottish clubs. Come on. Give us a guess. Tell you what I'll do. While the lads are having a think about it, I just want to let you know that our pre and post match shows will be resuming from this Friday exclusively at the Celtic Exchange Plus as Celtic get back to competitive action. In the weeks ahead, we'll have our full match content for the games against Aberdeen, Livy, St Johnston and Hibs between now and the turn of the year, and we'll of course be providing extensive coverage of the Rangers game on the 2nd of January. Our pre match shows are released 24 hours ahead of kickoff, with the post match show coming out shortly after the final whistle. And if you've not already done so, you can sign up for this now at the CelticExchange.supercast.com. And remember that there's a very simple option there to gift a subscription. So if you think your dad, brother, gran, or secret Santa would enjoy what we do, then that's exactly where you'll find that at the CelticExchange.supercast.com. You've had plenty of time. What have you got? Nothing. I made this mistake last week. I drew this bit out, and that's when you came in with key. So you didn't make a mistake. You just gave us a chance to get the well, answer. See, uh, what I found was it was hard to concentrate. You were known in the background. <laughs> <laughs> just blocked me out. I think that's deliberate. I Distracting. Didn't like that. Podcaster and talks in the background scandal. Won the championship. Played against France and Argentina. Argentina, and played for six Scottish clubs. The scoreline is now five each. You're calling it like that? I'm eh? calling it. All right. Because I get stunned last week. I would say week. so. No, no, I would say so. That's yeah. fair enough. That's if you get it later on the show, Miff, you can call it out and Dave here will beep it for us. But if you think you know the answer to this week's Mystery Celt, remember to tweet us at Celtic Exchange, sorry, at Celt Exchange using hashtag Mystery Celt. Okay, let's get into this week's big topic. Ahead of the return to competitive football, the question for today is, what's stopping Celtic going on to win the domestic treble this year? And before I ask for your initial responses to that, just a, a wee bit of further information. So, absolutely not saying that a treble is an easy, easy thing to come by, much as it felt like that in recent years. And Celtic's 135-year history, we've only done so, how many times, James? Seven. Seven times. Which is pretty hard to imagine when you think of our dominance at times across Scottish football. Even more surprising, as we know, is that four of those seven trebles have occurred in the last five years. The others were in the 66-67 season and the 68-69 season under Jock Steen, and then in Martin O'Neill's first season in 2000 and 2001. Only 27 teams in world football have won more than one treble uh, across the whole of football, so it's it's really quite fascinating. I'll share a link to some uh, interesting things as well in the show notes. Matt, your initial response to that question, and as I say, it's not an easy thing to win a treble, is it? No, it's not. What, what could possibly stop is loss of momentum for the World Cup break is one possible reason um, it's gave the others time to regroup and when I say others I don't just specifically mean Rangers I just mean when you're playing week in week out you build that momentum you know the belief grows that stopping could I'm just saying could don't necessarily think it will but it could have an impact and I think the most obvious one is VAR the, the way it's been implemented and the way that the, the standard to which 
Celtic have been refereed to which has been held with I mean even more surprising when you see some of the calls that have been made at the World Cup for example it's almost like referees then just take their own personal opinion on that day based on the stage that they're on to implement decisions rather than consistency just have a consistent set of rules I suppose it's always got to be subjective because it's down to the opinion of a team on the day but it re- I just think it makes the, the decisions that we've been subjected to both domestic and in the Champions League even more glaring um, so it's very obvious that something like that can crop up where you get on the wrong end of the decision the, um, the Hearts handball we didn't get the handball at home to, to Ross County it was given against us I think it was the fastest award of penalty I've ever mm. seen in my life for such a strange incident um, really unbelievable I think it was even outside the box as well I know I'm still going on about yeah. it but just absolute plus then there was the, the shot offside that um, for the, the camera angle my mum's tower um, which was impressive so really for me it's, it's, it's not even that decision it's the cack-handed yes, it's, it's, excuses it, that keep changing it's the, it's the implementation of a system which clearly isn't up to scratch and what's interesting there is, obviously you've given your initial response, I've highlighted what I think are the three potential threats to Celtic doing a treble. One is injuries, two is the loss of key personnel in other ways, and one is the potential threat from the opposition. I've not even mentioned VAR, I've not even mentioned the lack of momentum, so you're, you're absolutely right to highlight them, um, and we'll get into it in a wee bit more detail just in a second. But James, your, your initial response... Is there anything they stop us there or do you think we'll go on and do the treble? The, the reason trebles are so hard is because two of them involve knockout football and knockout football is cruel, you know. If you throw VAR into the mix there when something, something can be taken off you, Ronnie Diala and Vernice Cali, yep. then that's how easy it is to take a cup away from someone. So that's that's the biggest challenge, my spot on. That's the biggest challenge on getting three trophies this season. Um, I think we're... We're playing good football, we're playing tight as a unit, we've got McGregor coming back, we've got new guys coming in, it's all looking good as far as what's on the pitch goes. Uh, the only thing I can see stopping us winning the treble is VAR. Yeah, I mean, seven trebles in 135 years of Celtic history show you just how rare that is. So, table do it. let's look at some of the key factors you know that stand in the way between us and a first treble under Ange Postacoglu. I'll give you the, the kind of lie of the land at the moment though for Celtic. So, in terms of the Scottish Premiership, we're nine points clear at the top after 15 games. We've won 14 of those games and lost one to St Mirren. So 23 games to play. The League Cup, which is now called the Via Play Cup, which is fun. Uh, we're at the semi-final stage of that where we'll play Kilmarnock at Hamden on Saturday, 14th of January. Rangers play Aberdeen in the other semi-final. So we'd play two games from now if we're going to win that tournament. And in the Scottish Cup, which once again sits with no sponsor. Well done, Scottish football. Uh, your flagship trophy, no sponsor again. We're in the fourth round of that, uh, where we play Morton at Celtic Park on Saturday, 21st of January. And if we are to go on and win the Scottish Cup, that would be a further five games. So a total, potentially, of 30 games for Celtic between this Saturday, 17th of December, and the Scottish Cup final, which is on Saturday, the 3rd of June this year, or next year, 2023. So that's 30 games, as I say, in 24 weeks. So it's not too condensed with a tight schedule before the World Cup there it's a wee bit more relaxed you know moving forward league wise James I think it would take a real collapse to not go and win it from here I really do and that's my opinion I think the biggest threat to that however could be complacency what do you think? There's no way complacency exists in Angie's squad training pitch games no way um, particularly coming back now the message will be let's get back into focus um, nah I, I just don't think that's 
a word that ever gets on to uh, Angie's team talk. Yeah, okay. My Paddy stated early bells that he thought we would win the title by around about 20 points and he's he's sticking with that. Um, what do you think of that prediction? Yeah, uh, I, I don't see it as being as much as that and I think I said that at the time when he, when he said it, as much as I'd love it to be to be true. Um, I, I just think, you know, 20 points is a huge, a huge gap. It would need... It would need us to maintain a level of form which would probably see us go unbeaten, not even unbeaten, win every game to the end of the season then Rangers to have a bit of a collapse. Whilst, whilst both of those things could happen, I don't think they will. Mainly because this is, season is an unknown because it's been broken up halfway through. We just don't know how that's going to affect the, the rhythm of both Celtic and, and the rest of the teams in the league. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we can... Just win all the rest of their games. You go in expecting us to win every game, but with there being a break in the season, it's it's just something completely new. So I think you just need to sit back and and wait and see. I think we just need to be mindful of that as as, as fans that we've built up a brilliant lead, played some excellent football. Um, did did feel like we we just kind of needed the break at the time. To be fair, but, but everybody knew it was coming, so it's, I suppose it's a psychological thing. You know, you're you're running to a mid-season sprint, so you're just you're just want to get there, get through the games, get the points in the bag, and move on. So my hope is that we come back, we're refreshed. Um, we've got our captain back, which just is, is excellent news for us, and that that just sees a continuation of the form that we showed prior to the the, the shutdown, but. At the same time, it would be understandable if maybe the first few performances were sluggish. Yeah, and that form in the run-up to the break, as I mentioned, James, eight wins on the bounce since Callum McGregor got injured, and it was Celtic were were really exceptional during those times and, and ground out a couple of big wins, some late winners and and what have you. But generally speaking, they they finished at a, a pretty ferocious pace. And the hope is, yep, after the disruption myth that we can pick up on the other side, as you mentioned, James, cups are very different. So, you know, the league's played out over 38 games and by and large, the best team more often than not win the league and the cup, anything can happen. And we've now potentially got two games to, if we win the league cup. So Kamarnock in the semi, which we should be confident of taking care of, obviously newly promoted Kamarnock and Rangers take on Aberdeen and the other. It is a good chance to pick up the, the first trophy of the season, isn't it? Of course. And, you know, it's a, a trophy Ange likes because it gave me his first bit of silverware in Scotland. So they'll be well focused on that. Um, and just you're saying about the, you see the eight games that they, they won in McGregor's absence. It was also in very challenging circumstances when VAR was, was at it. You know, some hearts and motherwell, things like that. So, no, but I just mean there's mental fortitude in those players. Not only have you lost your captain, you've overcome uh, adversity as well to get those. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll pick that back up. I understand what I've seen about, you know, it might be a wee bit sluggish the first couple of games, but I think they'll be jumping at the bit. They should be. They should be, and, and we'll see how it goes. Saturday being the first test of that at Pitodry. Um If we're to be successful in the League Cup, that final would be on Sunday, 26th of February. As you say, James, it was the first trophy that Ange won here, and it does give you a bit of momentum, and you can't do a treble without the League Cup, and I think there'll be a lot of focus on that. So that game against Kilmarnock's coming up pretty soon. Muff, the Scottish Cup's trickier, so you've got five games in total to win if we're to lift that trophy we've got Morton on the 21st of January and what would be the first of those five games and it's the one that Ange hasn't won yet so he'll be keen to put that right well yes I, I would imagine so and um, the fact we're at home against lower league opposition is brilliant you know it's a, it's a type of draw that you want but I, I think the way Ange approaches things he just tries to win every game and I think that's why he's such a great fit for us that mentality of continually trying to improve be better in the next game than you were in the one before it's such a great mantra to have 
at a club at Celtic where the expectation for the fans is that you go and win every game. So I think it's just further confirmation of what a great meeting of minds it is between Celtic and, and Ange. But yeah, I think understanding Ange's psyche as we do now, further, you know, a year and a bit down the line, the fact he's not won the Scottish Cup, he will, he will want to put that right. Yeah. Um, James, we should take care of Morton, um, a home tie, which is always good. Any excels in their ranks? Who would that be, Math? United in there? No. Effie. Effie, I see. Effie Ambrose. Has he played at World Cup? You're right. Has he played at World Cup? Won the Championship? Played for six Scottish clubs. <laughs> Hard luck, Math. There's always next week. Um, staying on the Scottish Cup, so. Overall, in the history of the Scottish Cup since it began in 1873, there have been 25 winners of the Scottish Cup. Celtic hold the record with 40 Scottish Cup wins. Next is Rangers on 34. And Celtic just traditionally have always had a, a great relationship with the Scottish Cup. And it's the best way to finish your season. There's no doubt about it. You know, it's great to win the league. It's great to win League Cups early on. But sun splitting the trees at Hamden, as I say, it's going to be 3rd of June, James. It's always one to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, I think my first... Big win was, you know, uh, 1985 Scottish Cup final. 1985? So that, I'm very old. It's, uh, I just it gives you that kind of, like, Hamden and it was blazing sunshine and Frank McGarvey and all, all the good things, you know. So, um, you, I think every Celtic fan has a, a close connection with that because of you know, how, how many good times we've had at Hamden. There. Yeah, I think everyone's got their special memory. So, hopefully, uh, we're at that on the 3rd of June, 2023. Miff, as I'd mentioned there a wee bit earlier on in this conversation, for me, there are three key threats to the, the potential of doing a treble. It's injuries, it's losing some players in January, and it's the opposition and whatever they're doing. Let's start with injuries. So, last year, we lost some key players at key times. Guys like Kyogo, Jota, Jack Amakis, to name a few. This year we've already had to do without Callum McGregor for a spell recently, uh, as well as Carter Vickers, Starfelt, he's been in and out. And even with the best sports science, training, prep, etc., an injury can happen to any footballer at any time. So you can't, you know, just pre- presume that you're going to get away with that. Uh, Manuel Neuer's season's over after he picked up a broken leg skiing uh, after World Cup. That is madness. I don't know what... Is he insured for that? I've no idea, but there mm. must be something in his contract to say... There definitely will be. Don't, don't go, go skiing in December, mm. please. So that's a strange one. But yeah, point being though, you can fall down the stairs at home, whatever. So, I mean, what do you think of that, James? There's obviously, that will always be a you know a situation in football. and It's, it's different this year than it, it was last year. It'll be different again next year in terms of constant uh, development and strengthening of, of the overall squad. You know, last year we were bringing in players that just weren't quite at the levels. This year we've replaced Cal McGregor with Amato O'Reilly and slipped, you know, Moy in uh, the midfield and you know Hatati's doing a lot of good work there as well. It just is different, and this is all you know part of the work from Mark Law and, and, and Ange and the rest of the team to make sure that because, like you say, things can happen, and they know that, and they're planning for you know contingencies on when things do happen. So I think the squad is good; it's got work to go, and we'll see that in. January and we'll see in the summer again but I'm pretty comfy with the way the squad is at the moment Yeah and what we're seeing this time around is less by way of these what they would call soft tissue injuries like the hamstring injuries we've seen so many of last year McGregor's a good case in point it was an impact injury you know he took a, a, an impact on the knee in Leipzig and that's what's put him out I mean you can always mitigate against injury myth, but you can't fully protect against it but you can make sure your squad's in a good place No no, you can and, and I think you remember last year we went without Kyogo for a, a long period of time and that was when we were really thankful for Jack and Marcus standing up and scoring the goals that he did so Ange has, has proven that the way that he wants the squad to be managed is through having 
replacements for every position that you, you're getting that vibe that we're, we're strong in every position there is a replacement if, if MD drops out but as will always happen in football you'll have your better players so Vickers McGregor being two of our best and, and we've managed to get by without them at different points this year so I think I think that speaks a lot about the squad depth but also the performances of the players that have come in because they've maintained that winning run yeah, there's no about it. It's the strength and depth that we've spoken about so often. Um, the second biggest threat for me would be who may go out the door in January. So obviously the big talk at the moment is Josip Juranovic and Georges Jakimakis. For me, I think we can deal with the Juranovic one, no problem. We've brought in the replacement already and Johnson and, and Ralston's already there. Less so with Jakimakis, James. So at the moment, I would say him and Kyogre are the only recognised number nines at the club. So... That would be a trickier one to replace, and I'm not sure if we could deal with that right now. No, uh, I wouldn't encourage that at all. Um, even if Jack and Marcus stays, I think we need a striker. I think we need yeah. a, a, a young, hungry guy who's going to go and just bang in 30 a year. Um, so if Jack and Marcus goes, you need two. There is part of if he stays and he doesn't play as he can, he might as well be away. So there's this, they'll know from the conversations they've, they've had, Ange and Jack and Marcus, where his head's at. And if he says not, right, I love the big man. You know, I, I, he's marking a striker. But if he's not going to commit, get him out. I agree with that, and it's it's it seems quite harsh and cutthroat, doesn't it? But you know, the suggestion is you know we heard through a friend of ours over a week or so ago that he changed agent, and you know that that talk is now you know effectively being confirmed. And you only change agent if you're looking to instigate a change in circumstances. Agents don't get paid if nothing's happening. Mm. If you're just sitting on your current deal, agent doesn't get paid any sort of commission. However, if you do get an improved term or you get a big move elsewhere, that's when everyone cashes in. And I wonder how Andrew responds to that. We know how he is as a person and, and he definitely takes the approach that if someone doesn't want to be here in any way, shape or form, then they can go. And I wonder if Andrew's seen that change in circumstance with Jack Amakis and his agent and thought, oh, okay, right, okay, what's happening here? Yeah. Jack Amakis is in no position this season to ask for more money. Finishing last season strong, absolutely. This season, no, he's not hit the heights. He's had his chances and he's not taken them. So if you want to get more money, or if you want to get a move, score goals. Score goals, play better. He's been decent, but maybe not much more than decent. Yep. I think it, ju- it just falls into that one again. Lessons learned for, for the past. We don't keep players that aren't happy. We would, we would get decent money for him, more than we paid for him if we, if we moved them on. He's shown that he's a, he's a classy operator. But like anything else, it, I think the way Ange views things is you're either in or out. So if anything from Jack and Marcus is displayed that he isn't fully committed, to the club moving forward that will be no surprise if he goes in January yeah I think so so we'll, we'll obviously keep a close eye on it but we'll it'll be interesting to see how that heavy work to be done if he does go very much so but no one Ange see that work's been done yeah. um, those are obviously the two guys that have been spoken about the most but bids I think will come in for some of our players in January there's, there's serious talent and serious potential in Celtic squad at the moment but what if a, a Carter Vickers an O'Reilly or a Hattati were to leave do you think we've got the, the strength and depth around that Listen, Tino, I'm in a good mood. Uh, let's try and keep it that way. Yeah. You're not going to like my next hell. question. <laughs> not in January. Summertime, maybe, with more time. Listen, it, I think... But there will be offers. That those Definitely. Ange doesn't do anything by accident. He, he's prepared us for this, the statement that he made, I think, October, October, November time. Yeah. This is the way it's going to be. So whoever it is, if somebody's going to go and it's the best thing, for, Ange feels it's the best thing for the club, they'll go... The nature of football is you have your favourites and the players that you, you like, you get attached to. It's been that way for the, the game started playing. Um, but I think 
Ange coming out with that statement is to try and get us a wee bit more hard-nosed when it comes to that and realise that players will come and go uh, possibly more often than we've been used to in the past albeit I state the point again the thing that that really really hampered us at a critical point in the club's history was with too, too many players that didn't want to be there and we tried to keep them we tried to appease them rather than go and invest in people that were hungry and, and, and wanted to be successful so I just think whoever it is whether it's Kyogo whether it's Carter Vickers whether it's Matt O'Reilly that their time will come um, no. Um, no, no so no no, no. so f- for me I just think I don't want to be picking up the newspaper or going online and reading the latest link where our star player I, I don't want that but if if that does happen it's because it's been engineered to happen and we will I have faith and trust that we will have a a replacement ready to go you mentioned there about if Jack Marcus does go I think that work already have been done to identify the replacement yeah so I would, I would say for guys like Carl Vickers and Hatati rightly or wrongly I think strikers are easier easier to replace in certain halves and certain mids you know James, <sighs> putting the ball in the head James it's the hardest thing in football yeah but I think that the they're individualistic strikers, whereas your centre midfield, your centre half, they need to be team guys. You know, they need to know the system, who they're playing with, all that stuff. I would say that it's easier to replace a striker. For for what it's worth, I think Carter Vickers is the guy that you give as many years to as you want in terms of. I think you can just build a spine mm. or a defence around him. Hatati slightly different, being a flair player. I think you just give him the creative license, and probably within the next few years, he will get a move, a, a, a considerable. Uh, move both in terms of value and the club that he moves to because I, because I think he is that good if he just decides to be that good for 90 minutes and 10 games in a row because he, he's absolutely irresistible when he's on form yeah different kind of question for you within this subject of the loss of key personnel I can handle losing Juranovic Jack Amakis CCD no, don't do O'Reilly don't I know where he's going is there any chance that Ange Postacoglu leaves Celtic before the end of this season? Nah, I, I think, you know, he's not in it for the money. He's well paid. He's been well paid over his career. He's got a challenge and he's enjoying that challenge. As soon as that challenge diminishes, he'll go. That, that's not what it is yet. Yeah. Do you agree with that, Muff? Yes. I, 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 I don't see him leaving before or at the end of the season. However, as we've seen, as what happened to me, Roger, it can happen. It can happen. Rogers I don't think it will, because but it can. It was behind the scenes stuff. There was real disharmony there. Rogers and, and Peter Law. That's not there just now, you know. Well, Peter's back. Pedro's back. <laughs> Pedro's <laughs> back. You've heard managers talking recently about being all in, James. I'm here on a project. Hey, listen, I, I'm, here, I, you're here. I'm not going to jump ship here. I'm all in on this project. Who would say such a thing? Until I'm not. So this takes me nicely to the next section, and it's about the opposition. So I'll come to you first, Miff. Have you seen anything from any of your opponents in Scottish football, uh, first of all, to make you think there's a threat there, either in the league or in the Cups? Like James says, in, in terms of Cups, the threat that exists is just having a bad 90 minutes or 45 minutes where something stupid happens and, and you get yourself out of the game. I think in the league, we've, we've built a we've built a you know solid lead. You just don't know what sort of effect... Let's talk specifically about Rangers. You don't know what sort of effect the new manager's going to have. It could galvanise them in the short term. And in the short term, there's a run of fixtures which are difficult for us and we have to go to Ibrox. So if that has that positive effect on them, it, it could negatively impact on us. I think what I always go back to is 
just the, the, the merit and the credit that Ange's built in his time at the club, which just gives you that sort of unshakable faith in us and what we do, which makes me less concerned about what others do. Because what, what the others would have to do would have to be pretty miraculous um, if that was going to impact on us. However, the lesson should be learned from the, the St Mirren game that if we do do things in a certain way and feel that we can coast in certain games, then, then we will get punished. Because if we come up against a highly motivated opponent, whoever that might be, they, they'll seek to punish us. And you know you only need to look at that St Mirren game as a, as a classic example of that. You know, with, with something like 75% possession, but were just generally quite poor and, and looked sluggish on the day. If that happens again, there's nothing to say that, you know, St Mirren themselves or Aberdeen on, on Saturday would, wouldn't do the same. It's a very good point. I mean, you were annoyed, Muff, when I suggested that that St Mirren game was one of the most important games of the season because it gave Celtic a James... West End nonsense, I think he called it. It gave Celtic a good wake-up call at a good time. You so know, son Pat Niven would say. <laughs> <laughs> but we've since got to the break with 14 wins out of 15, James. And I think I'd far rather take a defeat to St Mirren, what, what was it, maybe six or seven games into the season, something yeah. like that, to give us a bit of a wake-up call. To see, well, two, two things. Tells Ange that he can't make so many changes. You know, rotation is fine within reason. Um, and also told the players that they can't just turn up and beat anybody, you know, yeah. whether they're St Mirren or, or anyone else in the league. James... I'll come to you just more directly on, on Rangers and their new manager. So the media here would have you believe he's some sort of cross between Pep, Alex Ferguson and David Copperfield. They've just fawned over this guy. Uh, what do you think? And do you think he'll have a positive impact? We, we don't know, I suppose, is the answer. Um, all I would say, David, if you can beat this out, he talks some amount of shit, you know, he really does. Uh, and he talks too much for a manager. You know, managers should be more reserved and do their talking on the pitch. I think that that's an indicator that he's a bit flash, he's a bit overconfident the biggest problem at Rangers is their squad management it's been appalling over the last years because they did what McCann wouldn't do and put all their eggs in the stop the 10 basket and this has left them skint and contracts all over the place even if Beal is this you know cross of Pep and Ferguson and the rest there's going to be so many players going out in, in the summer and what that does is it takes you into a period in the season when I don't want to get injured I want to get my move I'm not that motivated. Who's this new guy? Don't, don't like him. Never liked him first time. We just don't know. But the signs are no. He's full of buzzwords, Muff. He, he's I don't know if he's moonlighting as a, a motivational speaker. There's been the, the David Brent comparisons, but he's coming out with all these really kind of cringy terms. And and I think he believes his own hype. And I think he's setting himself up for a big, big fall. I think he's in the level of. Uh, self-confidence slash arrogance let's use a Scottish word and go gallusness that he's shown I think that's quite complimentary um, he, well you know somebody that knocked back Wolves subsequently ran QPR into the ground to be fair um, but then he's gone back to a club that he's had an association with I think for him the the lure of potentially being somebody that returns Rangers to the, the heights that they were at in the COVID season to win one trophy um, to win the, to win that trophy well still the, you know but I'm okay with that if they go and that's he's the one at, at the end of the day he he's fully aware of how big a club Rangers are right you know even being at scathing and patronising best you acknowledge that got a massive fan base in Scotland and that the lure of him being the man that leads him to glory is obviously the thing having experienced it almost second hand 
is, is the thing that, that's brought them back. I find it, I just find the whole thing quite intriguing as to you the potential to go to the Premier League. Didn't take it. Okay, because you're really believing in the QPR project. Yes, I did use that word. However, then in a matter of weeks, you then take the Rangers job. And, and listen, right, Rangers are rivals, that's fine. But that just makes no sense to me. <laughs> it just makes no sense at all. For a career plan. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I mean that for the point of view that you would normally take the Rangers job if you wanted to get to the Premier League. He's at, you know, managing the Championship, but if you get in the Premier League, albeit Wolves are now the most glamorous of clubs. Still there. Um, but I'd imagine in January they get money to spend. He can't have money to spend in January here because there isn't any to spend. So it's for me, I, I'm genuinely intrigued as to see how this plays out. Very much so. And when he fails here, James, where's next for a guy that makes that move and shows chairman around the country that he's willing to jump at the the next shiny new penny and, you know, come up here and, and just throw all these principles out the water. What's your term? If you don't like my principles, it's okay. I I've have others. Ones, hey. Um you look to the career past the guys like Ian Cathro when a coach tries to become a manager and fails he becomes a coach for the rest of his career he, he won't go back to management if he doesn't make it at Rangers mm, it's interesting I mean there's obviously the nine point gap do you think they can push us and put pressure on us in any way keeping in mind that we'll likely play them three more times in the league I'm very much looking forward to the second of, of January and you know that that's it's such a tall order he's coming up here at a very hard time and I don't know if their board have given him assurances on the time he'll get but you kind of don't get that time in Glasgow regardless anyone with any sense would have to give him time to build from the youth up because they've not got the dough to you know buy it in so he couldn't just be giving them you know, short term they need to give him a, I think they gave him a three and a half year deal which is madness I, I think he knows a, a good clutch of the squad well so I think the theory for the the board would be that you get that new manager bump invariably that, that happens when new manager comes in it'll just be based on who the players are going to take to him second time around who who knows what that's got to be like I think Rangers biggest problem and I don't know if he'll be back um, in, in January or, or when, when the league starts again is Goldson and I think their defence is their biggest issue so I, I don't really think it matters how well they're coached or I think their, their defence remains a, a big issue for them Yeah Moving on uh, from all that talk is there anyone else you think may be a threat so obviously we've got Aberdeen on Saturday they're third in the league um, there's a couple of other teams St Johnston made a bit, bit of a push into the top six as we've all agreed cups are cups and anything can happen on a you know the toss of a coin as such but over the piece, is there anyone that would you know, threat what we're trying to do? We just need to be you know, supremely focused every single game because, you know, I live away. You know, they're sitting with fourth, I think, are they fourth or fifth in the league. They're, they're in the top there, six yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, so I live away is always going to be tricky. Aberdeen will be tricky. Hearts is tricky. Hearts away, you know, as we saw just, you know, a couple of months ago or a month ago or so. So, yeah, um, and these teams will all want to improve their own position to secure European football, top six football, whatever it may be. So, you know, we give Scottish football a hard time, but the split does, you know, motivate teams not to just drift out the rest of the season, you know, to get into that six and perform for Europe and all these things. So, um, yeah, everyone's going to be motivated to do to do their, do their bit, but if we do our bit, we should be all right. 
And there is a long way to go, as I've said, if we get to the final of the cup competitions and obviously we'll play out the league fixtures, it's 30 games. It's a lot of games to keep fully focused and keep your concentration and have that bit of luck, you know, with injuries and different things. So um, it's an interesting one um, and we'll see how it plays out. But the big question, I'm just looking for a straight yes or no, will we win the treble this year? Yes. Is a yes for me. So yes from me, you're going through. Um, so let's see what the next few weeks and months bring, starting with this Saturday against Aberdeen. Before we move on to the final section this week, I want to quickly highlight a couple of really good reviews we've received recently from some of our listeners. These are a big help to us and we really appreciate the time that some of our listeners have taken to leave them. So first up, Nick, who says, keep up the good work. I'm a regular listener and the show never dips in quality. Great insight and knowledge from the guys delivered in an easygoing, humorous manner. So thanks to Nick for that. Next is Sean C, who I think is one of our overseas subscribers to the Celtic Exchange Plus. And Sean says, I set my clock for these shows now. Excellent coverage, insight and Celtic knowledge regularly shown by the presenters. Great level of chat and amazing guest shows in the international breaks as well. I look for these every week and after every game now. Thank you for delivering and sharing with the worldwide Celtic support. So thanks to Nick, to Nick and to Sean. I'll say that again, Dave. So thanks to Nick and to Sean for the support. And you can view these and all of our listener reviews at theCelticExchange.com. And if you're enjoying what we do and want to provide us with that extra bit of support, then please take 60 seconds or so to leave us a short review yourself at Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Each week here on the weekly show, one of the team will pick out something of interest that they've either watched, read or listened to that week in the world of Celtic media that they then recommend to our listeners. This week, James, is something and related for us all, which is always very well received. James, what have you got? It's more, I suppose it's continuing the theme of today of getting back to, to proper football. So a reminder of what you've been missing. Um, there's a, a real interesting guy, uh, Ronnie J 67 on YouTube. He puts together really excellent show reels. He did a brilliant one for how he won the league last year. And he's put one out in the last few days. Um, it's a funny title. It's like Ange Postacoglu on Champions League atmosphere. I don't know how kind of keyworded that is, but it's, it's, it's just talking about what it's like at Celtic. How's it been? How have you found it? It's, it's, it's a kind of a recollection of Ange's journey from uh, immigrant family in Australia to manager of Celtic. So just some really nice stuff, you know, talking about Celtic's immigrant foundations and how much, you know, he... he uh, links with that um, he was doing some media rounds in, in Australia I think for the the, the Sydney Cup um, really humbled to be in his role as Celtic manager so when you're talking about you know could Ange leave when he, you hear him talking about the affinity he has with Celtic you know it's, it doesn't feel like Brendan Rodgers you know it feels real um, so yeah it's just a review of what it means for Ange to be Celtic boys and it's just a nice it's eight minutes just one for the conflicts tomorrow morning um, recommend it highly yeah conflicts or yeah, well, other zeros are available. <laughs> um, so the full title is interesting. Yep, so it's Ronnie J sixty seven. His channel is well worth checking out. The full title is Ange Postecoglou on the Champions League atmosphere, love and Celtic, and what Celtic means. It's SEO daft. He's, he's <laughs> used all these keywords there, and he's he's clearly got a gra- grasp of the how the internet works. Um, but as it's a it's a great watch. So as, as James says, it's a compilation of some of the interviews that Ange's given, mostly to media back in Australia. And as we all know, he's far more relaxed with the media there than yeah, ours. So you get, you get a bit more of his his personality. And yeah, he talks about Celtic's immigrant roots and, and why that resonates so strongly with him and all other things Celtic. So as with all things Ange, it's a pretty fascinating watch and definitely one to enjoy. And as always, we're linked to the clip in the show notes. James, I know you've been counting the days and at the time of recording, we're now just five days out from the return of Celtic. How are you feeling about that? 
Absolutely over the moon. Yeah, I have to say, it's like it's almost like you know, start of a new season. It's that that feeling, you know, just getting back into football. And you know, there's there's a game on Thursday night. We've got an interest in as well, so it's only a few days. Um, I know I'll enjoy the the World Cup semis and final as well. But you know, we're yeah, we're back. We're yeah. back by bang. Is is <laughs> Josip Janovic is Croatia going to make that final? Yeah, I think it will. I think yeah. so. I think it'll beat yeah. Argentina. Yeah, yeah, could be real interesting. And then that twenty five million tag that goes up to. Name your price, Celtic. Muff, great to have you back tonight. How are you feeling ahead of the second half of the season? I can't wait. Can't wait. I've missed that. Missed that. Just missed the routine of going to the games as well, you know. It's, it's been pretty strange, but can't wait. Yeah. Three points at Pataudry? Yes, but I think it'll be tough. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So that wraps things up on another episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to James and Muff for joining me today and as always, our thanks to you for listening. Be sure to visit theCelticExchange.supercast.com to get signed up for all our additional content ahead of the game starting back this week. And while you're there, remember that you can gift a subscription to your favourite Celtic fan at the same time. But in the meantime, from myself and the team, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week. Network.